So today on Proceeding Film, I feel like it's been a while. Uh, yeah, because we recorded, we usually record on a Sunday, but last time we recorded on a Thursday. So it was like 10, 11 so days it's been since a long then. time. Drew, it's good to see you. You were in New yeah. York. I was. Tell me a little bit about the Big Apple, as they call it. It was amazing. Guess what? In Times Square, there's an Applebee's. And I was like, it's the Big Applebee's. And no but, one uh, around me laughed. So, Mac, what do you think about that joke? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wrote a joke the other day. Can I say it? Yes. Yeah. On the podcast? <laughs> We would recommend that. <laughs> okay, okay. It was reported that Will I Am punched his piano uh, the other day during a concert. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a little bit of black-eyed key tag. <laughs> oh no! It's a great setup too. <laughs> okay, so uh, maybe we'll work on that one. <laughs> okay, I'll workshop that. I'll workshop that. Bring it back in the later part of the episode. All Bring right, it back all in right, the later part right. of the episode. Man, it was a good. It was a good setup too. I'm with Drew yeah, there. Man, almost. I mean, you're like ten percent away from nailing it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> oh man. So hey, it's me and Drew. We're back today. We have Max Stevens. Mac, hey. you say you're not a movie guy, but you. You're a movie guy. Right, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just glad to be here. It's kind of the, <laughs> the crowd that I'm involved with. I'm glad uh, when anyone talks about a movie I know, uh, because I can be involved in that. So, so yeah. And you know both of these. I do know, yes, I know both of them. So Tenet, I actually watched with Heath. Uh, he showed me Tenet. And that's kind of how I go about movies, is I watch them with other people, right? Because it's more of a community thing than just sitting there and watching it myself. Did you see it in theaters? No, we actually watched it on We, we watched it. Yeah, we watched it at my house last year. Yeah. Me, him, and Thomas Ganey. Shout out to Thomas Ganey, who we were trying to get on this pod, but he is doing a, uh, he's a D-Now speaker, Discipleship Now speaker in Little Rock this weekend. Mm. So, But yeah, we're going to talk about uh, two of my favorite action movies of the 21st century. We're going to talk about Christopher Nolan's Tenet, came out in 2020, and we're going to talk about Martin Campbell's 2006 masterpiece, Casino Royale. Both are masterpieces, though, might I just add, might I just add. And usually, Drew, as you know, first off, what coffee are you drinking right here? This is just water. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. In the Starbucks cup, though. It's a nice cup. Thank you. Is it reusable? This, Yeah. This was, uh, you know, Starbucks has, like, their red cup day, where if you, like, make a purchase, you get a free red cup. That's what this is. I'll tell you this. I've never heard of that, but I've been in Tropical Smoothie, and the, when you wear flip-flops on a certain day, you, you get, get a free f- Jetty Punch. Wow. Wow. So shout out to Starbucks, shout out to Tropical yeah. Smoothie. Mm-hmm. No affiliation with this podcast. I so. say shout out to Waffle House. You can buy their mugs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Usually, you know how we do this. We usually start with the newer film. We do. Not today, though, Drew. <laughs> we are going to execute a temporal pincer movement. Tenant reference. I hear it. And we're going to start with Casino Royale, 2006. So it's a James Bond movie. Daniel Craig's first movie as James Bond. Really a reboot for the series. And Casino Royale is, in a way, a, an origin story. Um, he's he's newly double O. I just want to. I'm curious. What what is y'all's relationship to James Bond? So I'm not a Bond guy. You're not a Bond guy. I'm a I'm a, like a Mission Impossible guy. That's my. That's, so so you're the American Bond guy. Yeah, that's my like my spy vice is Mission Impossible. Sick phrase to say by Thanks. the way. Spy vice. <laughs> just roll up my sleeve after that one. Yeah. No, so I've only I've seen Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. I've now seen it twice, and then I saw Skyfall. That's the extent of Bond that I've seen. 
Hey, so, here's the good news. Arguably the two best Bond movies ever well, made. Well, there you go. Now, what's your relationship, Mac, to James Bond? Yeah, so I didn't watch any James Bond when I was younger. I played the GoldenEye 007 game on the Nintendo 64. Phenomenal Nintendo game. 64, yeah. Uh, my brothers had it, and so whenever I was old enough to play it, I guess, I played it, and so I really enjoyed that. That game in and of itself, even if you just talk about the game, could be a whole other podcast, I think. Because <laughs> it, like... I feel like that kind of sets off almost first-person multiplayer shooters in a way, like getting together with I think we just found Max podcast yeah. idea. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Proceeding game. <laughs> That's right. Proceeding pixel. Yeah, well, we're having a workshop yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. What are they, what are they it's part of the Proceeding yeah. podcast network umbrella. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so I played that when I was younger. Didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I beat it. Got a full storyline on the Nintendo 64 version of GoldenEye. Uh, after I graduated high school, um, so it took a long time. Anyway, so that's kind of the first storyline of James Bond that I know of. And then I think on TV during COVID, they had a just like a marathon, a James Bond marathon. And that's when I saw Casino Royale for the first time, Quantum of Solace, and then one of the older ones. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to try to guess. I mean, you have like 25 different yeah, options. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I saw one of the older James Bonds then. Uh, when, I was, when I was asking if Mac wanted to be on this podcast i called him up and i said hey do you want to do tenant and casino royale talk on our movie podcast he said um maybe i've never seen casino royale <laughs> and then he starts describing the events of casino royale to me he's like well i've seen this one james bond movie where him and this girl they're retired and they're in venice and then she drowns i'm like buddy <laughs> you are describing casino royale right now <laughs> I said, I said, do you remember James Bond like getting tortured with a rope, getting hit in the balls a lot? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so I said, yeah, you've seen Casino Royale. Um, uh, I did yeah. end up watching it last night to refresh my <laughs> yeah. memory on it. So. Which is good, which is good. Yeah. Because, yeah, your first, our first conversation about it, you might not have the fullest grasp That's right. of it. Uh, you know, I, I would say as far as the, my spy vice goes, it would be James Bond. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge spy movie guy. I can never really get into the Bourne movies. I like the Mission Impossible movies, but I like the Bond movies a lot more. Granted, I've seen all the Mission Impossible movies. I haven't even seen half of the James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a good amount of the, the Sean Connery ones, seen a, a few of the Pierce Brosnan ones, and I've now seen all of the Daniel Craig ones. So he is he's my Bond. And then there's another... Wait, um, Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Was and he I, before Connery? He would no. So Sean Connery was the first one. Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig. I think there's one more. I do want to ask you guys while I'm looking that up. What are your initial thoughts on Casino Royale? Drew, start with you. Okay, I'm glad you didn't ask me which Bond was my favorite because I I haven't seen any of the other ones. No, no, no. <laughs> I would assume it's Daniel I'll Craig. Connery. <laughs> I like the little polygram guy you get to play as. Yeah. <laughs> He nails it. That, yeah. is, uh, that is Pierce Brosnan, by the way. <laughs> right it's on. Goldeneye. So it was, real quick, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton was the other one. Okay. So those are kind of your five. Oh, James Bond. Also, they put Leah Sadu on here as a list of Bonds. So <laughs> I've. <laughs> she is not in there as a Bond Can we confirm guy. that? So, so let's talk about... I'll tell you what. Casino yeah. Royale, I have um, kind of a ambiguous kind of opinion on it. I, I like a lot... And then there's a lot that I'm, I'm not as on board with. But I think the things that it does really well, it crushes. I just love the style of it. Now, I had heard that coming into Daniel Craig's 
when he took over for Bond, the character had gotten kind of gimmicky. Like, it was all just about the different, like, gadgets, and it didn't really feel serious. And so... It got a little funky with Pierce Brosnan. In my research, which was like, you know, one Google search, I found That's that, enough. We appreciate the effort. <laughs> that Casino Royale was, like, James Bond's, like, dark kind of realistic take yeah um, kind of like the same when nolan took over batman with like batman begins was like more grounded which is funny because me coming into this not seeing much james bond i was like oh this this is a little far-fetched sometimes like i was like that wouldn't happen but in comparison to other bond movies it was like this was much more realistic yeah i mean there's a there's one of the pierce brosnan ones i think it's no time to die. No, that's a that's a Daniel Craig one. Yeah, so die is in the title. Yeah. You, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Where he fights this North Korean dictator, and the North Tr- Korean dictator falls off a bridge or something, and then comes back as a Scottish man. So like that's what you were dealing with before <laughs> this movie came out. I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that was the movie right before this one. Yeah, that's was, a little cartoony. Yeah, it, it's a little cartoony. But you're right. This one is very. Um, it's very grounded, and if you just saw it, you know there's, like, barely any sort of gadgets at all. No, no, not at all. I mean, that car is, like, the closest thing you got. Right. Which was also really cool. I love that car. It's a good car in that movie. Yeah. Initial thoughts on Casino Royale here. So, I really like it. Right now, uh, if you're talking about a spy vice, uh, if you're talking about a spy vice, I, not really a spy vice, more detective, um, private eye. I've been watching a lot of 70s and 80s. Uh, Tell them a little bit about Ironside. Yeah, so we got, to name three, the three I've been watching, we've got Ironside. Um, he was Perry Mason, um, in, if you know of Perry Mason, a lawyer. And then later on, the guy goes and plays Ironside. He's a wheelchair-bound police detective. And that's kind of the whole premise, is just he knows his stuff. And really early on, he's kind of a curmudgeon. I'm not going to lie. He just kind of, he's the one that tells it how it is <laughs> and just like says, tells his team what to do. Uh, and they're the ones to go do it. In the 80s, we got uh, Magnum P.I., right, with Thomas Magnum. By the way, Max Stevens is 65 years old. <laughs> right, yes, exactly. He was alive for all of Yeah. You got that. Um, kind of as a comparison, he's living the high life, right? Uh, kind of in this mansion, kind of taking care of stuff. But he's in Hawaii. Still kind of plays in every man. Uh, the 70s, there's also one. This is my favorite at the moment. Is the Rockford Files. Uh, so James Garner plays uh, Jim Rockford. He goes out of a trailer on the beach uh, in a parking lot. And he's a, he's a PI. And so he just solves these cases. Um, but again, he's, he's just an everyman, right? So he just walks around and, and solves cases. Right. It's not like some high-tech spy kind of thing. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know what the question was, but I, but I had to talk about it. <laughs> what did you think about Casino <laughs> Okay, so that leads into it. That leads into it. All of our 65-year-old listeners are like, Rocker Files! Nice! Oh. Okay. Iron size reference! <laughs> yes! <laughs> That leads in, I think, I think, well, so with my research also, I think I probably read the same thing you did on Quora or whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was that people went in with like kind of a low expectation, I think, of who this new James Bond is going to be. It's not the one, you know, we love dearly, right? He's got the Dark Knight treatment, but I like this one because I kind of saw some similarities, I guess, with these private eye kind of like detective dramas. Uh, so with that, uh, Daniel Craig, instead of kind of being this, you know high class, you know, shaken, not stirred, you know, they uh, even kind of do a quip, you know, with that line and all that, all that goes kind of to the wayside, and he is kind of this everyman, and they talk about that, um, where he doesn't want to wear the suit, he's like, why is this tailored? In the 2000s, 2010s, it did seem like 
a lot of reboots of stuff where like, oh, we got to go grittier, we got to go darker. And I, th in my opinion, this is one that works. And it's a lot of we got to make James Bond darker, so he's a little bit more brutish. Like when you think Connery, you think Pierce Brosnan, you think just like you don't think fighters, right? You don't think you think guys that are very suave, like they're just in the bar, able to talk their way into any sort of information. And Daniel Craig's James Bond, what's the first thing we see? He's going to kill a guy, and then there's there's flashbacks to him killing this other guy in a brutal scene in this bathroom where it's like messy, it's dirty, it's pretty gross in there. Water is shooting up from these toilets of these guys as they're fighting each other. Right. So it's like it, it's just interesting how that is your first interaction to this new James Bond is like in the sewer almost. Pretty oh, much. Brosnan would have never been in that. No, no, no too no, dirty. No. <laughs> I can't even imagine Sean Connery going no, anywhere near. And mess up your hair. Really, I mean, the, this take on Bond that Daniel Craig is doing is this sort of stripped-down version of him. And it was interesting. I was I was reading some stuff about the casting, and people thought two things about Daniel Craig. One, he wasn't good-looking enough for the part. And two, he had played, like, henchmen and goons in other movies. And they're like, why would that guy be Bond? But for me, it works. Do you guys think, it like, Daniel Craig's Bond works? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. <clears throat> um, and even with Casino Royale, that's his first movie. And you even get that of, like, he's just acquired his double O status. And so he's been at it a while, but it's still, like, it's almost he's parallel with the audience. And, like, he's picking up the mantle of James Bond. But then also the character of James Bond is growing. And the audience is also growing with, oh, there's a new character of James Bond. Right. So it's all kind of this, like culmination of that and you're all kind of growing together throughout the movie yeah early on it's just like he's he's gritty even i don't i've not seen any of the others besides quantum of solace i guess <laughs> yeah. and so i don't know if later on he kind of is more of the other james bond we know about or or not but he does um, sort of evolve but he still has that like brawler mentality okay a little bit too. yeah is 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 daniel craig one of the things that works for you in this movie drew yeah i think I think Martin Campbell does him a lot of favors in the filmmaking part of it. Like, if, if you didn't have a good director and a good story, then that's going to be tough. And there's a, I think there's a really good story in Casino Royale. But yeah, I mean, I thought Craig did a good job. He, he wasn't like, he didn't completely blow me away or anything. But I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I'd buy it. Yeah. I'm not a Bond purist. I was like, yeah, Blondie, no way it could be <laughs> that guy. But yeah, I thought he did a good job. So what is what is Casino Royale? Usually we talk about what the movie's about a little bit we earlier. We kind of skipped. We didn't. Uh, did we even mention why we're pairing it with Tenet? Uh, we'll get to it okay. when we talk about Tenet. But we're doing a temporal pincer movement, right? Here, Drew. No, you're right. <laughs> I can't jump ahead. Can't jump ahead, or can you? Because things have always happened the way they're supposed to. It's just happening. What's happens happen. So after receiving a license to kill, British Secret Service agent James Bond heads to Madagascar, where he uncovers a link to Le Chief, played by Mads Mikkelsen, all-time Mads Mikkelsen role, by the way, a man who finances terrorist organizations. Learning that Le Chief plans to raise money in a high-stakes poker game, MI6 sends Bond to play against him, gambling that the newest double O operative will topple the man's organization. Uh, first off, what a, what a plot here. <laughs> James Bond is going to go play poker against some guy in the high-stakes poker game, right? Yeah. It, 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 it checks, for me, it checks all the boxes of what I want in a Bond movie. Great locations. We're in Montenegro. We're in Venice. We're in the Bahamas. Even a very cool chase through Madagascar to start the movie. So we're, we're all over. And He's I traveling. think Uganda's in there, too. The kid's playing pinball yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the warlord. You're exactly right. 
we've got the cool suits. We've got the the beautiful like vistas and the resorts that he's in. And in this one specifically, I think the use of uh, it being revolving around a poker game, like a high stakes luxury poker game, just really makes like the scenery work for me. Yeah. In this one, it, it, it checks all the boxes for for me as a James Bond movie. I do want to talk a lot about Le Chief, which is Mads Mikkelsen's mm-hmm. villain here. For me, I think he he's my favorite Bond villain. What what do you like? What are we looking for in a Bond villain? Right, a little off kilter. Yep. Definitely evil. Like he's not even like a. It's not like a nuanced character, right? These guys are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know it from the get go. He's got a weird eye that bleeds. He's got an inhaler. And he's the smartest math whiz in the world and yeah. plays poker with it. Checks all the boxes. What do we think about Mads Mikkelsen? I love him. He's so good in this movie. He's <laughs> just those those poker scenes where he's like doing the little eye twitch thing in between. It's just a lot of fun. It's a fun villain, you know. And that's again, that's that's a word I'd use for Bond villains. Like you want him to be fun. Yeah, you want him to be fun, you know. And, and he's fun. I would agree with that. I look at him, and I say, that's the bad guy of this movie, and it's easy to digest. <laughs> um, and if you want to go deeper, you can. So that's that's what I like. No, but you hit the nail on the head. You can look at that guy and be like, okay, I will put all of my money on this is the bad guy in this movie. His eye thing, right, where you're saying he twitches, and James Bond is like, oh, that's his tell. And then later he realizes that James Bond has picked up on it. So he uses that to make James Bond lose the hand. Little stuff like that also makes him like, he's obviously a genius villain. Didn't they say he's like a chess guy? Like a chess master? Chess prodigy. Yeah. Math right. whiz that now uses uh, his love of math to win poker games. So, and finance terrorist organizations. So this is a little off topic, but it's it, it, I just read this book, so go, I feel like I need to mention it. Go ahead. It's about these MIT students who figured out how to beat blackjack by using math because they're like super whiz kids wait from is this from the movie 21 yeah well it, it's what it's 21 based on <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> fantastic book i just read it it's amazing do they go into the math in the book of like how blackjack hands yeah because it's like kind of it's card counting yeah. but not it wasn't the way i understood card counting would be because it's 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 very it's all probability so they're like if if we counted out like you know, 12 low cards, and a low card they establish is, like, from 2 to 7, then you have a higher probability of getting a high card, and that's when you bet high. That's, like, the very basic level of it. It was really fascinating. All right, Max, you go home and start counting cards, I think. Now. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'll watch a few YouTube videos and see what you can do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Lashif's plan in this movie is he lost his money because James Bond stopped a terrorist attack which was going to basically bankrupt this company. Lashif was going to blow up this plane and cause the stock of that company to go down. But because James Bond stopped it, Lashif loses $100 million. So he then sets up a high-stakes poker game in Montenegro to get all the money back. And then they said, hey, instead of... Which I don't get this. Maybe I missed something here. But instead of just picking up Lashif because we know he's the bad guy here, we have to beat him in this poker game. <laughs> I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah. But like, we know this guy's bad. Why can't we just? Why can't we take him out? Did they talk about that? I, I watched the movie pretty recently. Did, did I miss something here? Like, why uh, do we have no, to beat him in poker? I don't think that's addressed. He's a math whiz that is one of the best poker players in the world. Also, all we know about James Bond is he's the best 
poker player in the MI6 organization. We also... <laughs> what's his name? LeFou? No, that's from... That's <laughs> that's, that's Beauty and the Beast. LeSheaf. <laughs> uh, LeSheaf. He sees Bond take out the... Like the guy who was going, who had the bomb, right? So why does he let him into the poker game? D- d- yeah, that's another thing. Does he know that le- that Bond is who he is? I think he does. I guess. Right? I mean, they have yeah, a camera yeah. footage of him stopping the bomb, and maybe he couldn't tell from the picture. I mean, I it's two thousand six, so a little grainy, you know, not four <laughs> K quality over there. I don't know if he knows he's the one that blew up the, or stopped the bomb, but like he does know who James Bond is during the game. Because he checks into the hotel right. under Bond instead of right. Mr. Beach. His fake name yeah. or whatever it was supposed to be. I don't Mr. know, maybe... Beach. I guess he was just so confident that he could beat him that he was like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which that's what it ends up being is like almost a battle of egos, right? It's not yeah. just like... Because he even talks about this, like, you're not playing your cards, you're playing the, the person across from you. And so that's really what the, I guess... The scene, the the casino scene is really about, right? Right. That's why you're here, Mac. That's that was, why I'm here, yeah. That was yeah. pretty good. Thanks, <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> and all the while, we do have a Bond girl in here, Vesper, mm-hmm. played by Eva Green, who we'll talk about her sort of turn at the end of the movie now, but what are our initial thoughts on, like, Vesper's contribution to the movie? She's the treasurer, basically financing James Bond to play this movie. Do you think she's a good character, and do you think the chemistry between the two works? I think... I think the chemistry works again because I not that I've seen other bonds, but I'd imagine that in the past, the Bond girl is meant to like be like strictly eye candy. That's my guess. Yeah, uh, if you watch Doctor No, which is the first one, I believe she says maybe three sentences. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not a lot of stuff going on from the lady. I feel indictment. like her character was fleshed out. Like there's the whole like scene where he's like he kills those guys in the staircase, and afterwards she's like sitting in the shower and she's very shaken up, and he like goes and comforts her. Like I felt like there was some real like emotion there. She felt like a real person, not just like all right. And then here's here's the Bond girl. Yeah. Don't say anything. Just just be on camera. Yeah. She's she's grounded. I no, guess. she. I thought she did a really good. She's job. realistic. Mac, what about you? I enjoyed her character. <laughs> I think they went well together. Because, again, with him being the rough and tough, kind of like new Bond that we know, like kind of the darker side, she hasn't experienced a fighting, right? She's an accountant for the MI6 still, I guess. She's not one of your field agents, and so it's almost just like a, a Jack Ryan kind of thing where he's not supposed to be out in the field, but ends up like he, that's where he ends up, you know? And so... Dude, I want a That's job good. where I gotta get I gotta get in the field. That's what I want to do. That's it. Yeah, I gotta go to the, the field. field. So here, here's my take on the relationship between James Bond and Vesper, which is a weird name, by the way. Sure, but it I think makes they for a that. great password code. <laughs> it does make for a great password code. It seems like James Bond is being trained right to not care to just kill, be a killing machine, right? And with that, you can't really have any sort of. Uh, connections like emotional connections to anybody meets this woman end up developing this emotional connection right that's mistake number one for him he lets her in and so you see a few things at the end when he wins the poker game she then gets kidnapped right and really the only reason he goes to save her is just that to go to save her right he kind of jeopardizes things Mm -hmm. by going to save her after that he retires with her in italy and guess what spoiler alert by the way, this is our first spoiler alert. We usually say it later in the show. 
last time we said it really early on. Okay. I don't she think ends we up said it at any point in the first episode. <laughs> okay. <so. laughs> okay. Yeah, we're learning, okay? <laughs> Retires with her to Italy. What does she do? She ends up betraying him. Like you're saying, she's a fleshed out character. She's great. But I think her purpose was, for this first movie, because they were going to do multiple bonds here, was we wanted to start him off with he was being he's being trained to not care or have emotional attachment. He breaks that rule, has it. She then betrays him. Therefore, the rest of the time is him trying to get back through the James Bond arc of these five movies to being able to care and trust for somebody. One, so what's the main lady's name at MI6? M? M. M. M's like, well, you know, should have learned not to trust anyone. And he's like, Really? That's, yeah, fine. that's the thing. Oh, yes. So after he wins the poker game against Le Chief and Vesper's kidnapped, he ends up in a wreck. James Bond does. Le Chief captures him. I, I just I want to talk about this because this is crazy to me, this whole thing, right? Lashif captures the guy, and we see him in this scary warehouse. He's naked. He's in a chair. And Lashif tortures him by having this, like, ball on the end of a rope and just, like, hits him in the balls with it. Here's my question to you guys as you guys stare intently at me. Is this the craziest torture scene in a PG-13 movie ever? It's got to be, right? I mean, like, I can't think of, I can't think of much crazier than this. This is insane. It's intense. Yeah, it is. And and like, and I'll just be honest with you. We're both, we're all guys here. It seems like one of the worst things that could happen (laughs) to you. And Lashif's aim with this thing never misses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, come on. (laughs) He's got. (laughs) What's this guy like? A. He's got Daniel Craig. He's got James Bond. Crying he's and like, like a laughing. master tetherball player or something can hit him every time. No, he's, he's got incredible aim. And he's, then, he's got and him then crying James and Bond's laughing because like, it's so yeah. much. It's in so much pain. He's like, he's like, I have a little itch. He's like, to the right, <laughs> to the right. <laughs> Mac, yeah. Would you want to get? Would you want to get tortured that way? No, I wouldn't want to get tortured that way. <laughs> and again, I was looking. I was looking this up just kind of prior to watching it um, to just try to see if it would jog my memory. But one thing I found was a just like a review, like a family review thing on it. Um, <laughs> oh, which like probably a, never get to watch. Like, going into like, like a parent, like a parental right, guy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so on there though, and I think I read like two of them, but it it kind of called it like a, a lenient PG thirteen. Uh, like it should have been rated R. It's pretty close. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, a it's violent lenient. movie. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, now I don't know anything about ratings or anything like that, but that's what they said. Um, so I'll just I'll just be the messenger for that one, um, but yeah, for for that to be the torture scene on PG thirteen movie, I would say yeah, that would be if I was thirteen, and my my parents were guiding what I was watching in the movie theater, I would probably be a little uncomfy. You know what I mean? I would um, have my mom and dad both put one of their hands over both of my eyes, yeah, so I couldn't see that anymore at age thirteen. I think Great. I instinctively like crossed my legs when I was watching that scene, just like. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so I had knee surgery in high school. <laughs> it was the PCL. So what they do is they numb your, from your groin down, they numb that leg. So you can't feel it if you, if you catch my all drift. The way, all, like all the way to the foot? Yeah, the whole leg was numb. Okay. My whole leg from my groin to my, the rest of my leg was yeah. numb, right? So you mm-hmm. can't feel anything. And I remember waking up out of there. The first thing I do is like... I'm like I'm like touching my leg, right? And I'm like I can't I can't feel it. I can't feel it. And then like I get I get to my crotch and I touch it. I'm like I can't feel it anymore. 
What does that have to do with Casino Royale? Yeah. After that, I told apparently I told my parents I was like, oh man, remember that scene in Casino Royale when James Bond is just getting destroyed in the Nards by <laughs> that rope? <laughs> that I, apparently I said that was crazy. <laughs> So, I, I say that to say, that's a scene that has stuck with me for, okay, yeah. for my entire life. That's really why You've I wanted to bring got some emotional up, uh, baggage there, Heath. Um, yeah. One thing I'd say about that is, have you ever seen Johnny English, specifically Johnny English Reborn? With Mr. Bean? With Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson himself. <laughs> what happens? So, he, the opening scene in that is, he's like up in some, you know, martial arts, kind of learning to find himself, training. Um, and the first scene is him... Uh, doing that training, but part of it is him dragging a stone, uh, utilizing his paraphernalia, <laughs> and so he he uh, so he's strengthening that. But then another parallel, um, also towards the beginning, is he's chasing a bad guy, like similar to the James Bond uh, Casino Royale like, opening chase scene. Two great chase scenes in this movie, by the way. Yeah, um, and in Johnny, Johnny English, though, it's kind of the same thing, um, except more over the top. You have your parkour guy going and like doing all these things, but then James Bond busts through a wall, right? Or he gets a bulldozer and just starts going through stuff. In the same way, in Johnny English, instead of a guy... You know, he's like climbing down a ladder or he's climbing down like scaffolding. Johnny English just takes an elevator down and then like <laughs> leaves. And then he like jumps over a fence. But then Johnny English just opens a opens a door and just walks <laughs> through the fence. And so in that same way, talk about preceding films, I feel like Johnny English, there was too many parallels there specifically to Casino Royale. Dude, for I think to you're be, right. Yeah. So I think, I think that's something there. Um, right off the bat, they're just saying, hey, he's stronger. <laughs> Johnny English... Johnny English might be smarter. Yeah, he's smarter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mr. B, known for his his knowledge. Uh, I do love that Madagascar chase scene, though. And there is like, there's one funny moment in it is when they're on top of that scaffolding or whatever, and the guy has no bullets left, throws the gun at James Bond, who just catches it easily and then just throws it right back at him and hits the right. guy in the face. That was a funny moment yeah, in a movie that's not really that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, great chase scene. I'll tell you, this movie checks all the boxes. Great chase, good car. We have a Bond girl who's a little bit more nuanced, betrays him in the end. Mm-hmm. It's got a great James Bond, got great locations. I love Casino Royale. And we'll, I'll tell you at the end of this movie, or not this movie, preceding film podcast, what am, I, <laughs> what am I saying? Which one, it might surprise you what might be my favorite of okay. the two of these movies. I, and I really like the poker scenes. I, I, I know in the, well, I'll be interested to ask your opinion, but I I think they're really well done. Yeah. Um, I, it's that's the most engaged I was in this movie was during those poker scenes. Right. It's easy to make a poker scene in a movie ridiculous. You're like, oh wow, you have you know, you have, I have five double kids. aces every <laughs> single time. Wow, isn't that a coincidence? And that's there's a couple that you're like, that's a little convenient. All of the hands are pretty good though. Most you know? of the yeah, but I never was like, oh my, God, like this would never happen. Yeah. Like it's, it's fairly it's realistic within the realm of reality for me. But it's also. It, it, it's their hands that are interesting to a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if it was just people calling for the entire right. round, exactly. it wouldn't, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, let's get into our, our little uh, awards part of the, the segment. Let's start with MVP. And, uh, Mac, what's your MVP of this movie? I am so glad you started with me because <laughs> I did not come prepared. Um, since it's a James Bond movie, yeah. I'm going to say James Bond. Good answer. Thank you. Thank you. Good answer, Drew. What about you? I like the I like the style mixed with like the serious tone of it. Yeah, I think it it makes for a, a more fun. Uh, it makes you more invested, um, but it's still entertaining. In particular, I really liked the car on the style aspect of things, but it takes itself 
pretty seriously, which which I liked. Some movies should not take themselves seriously, but do. Fast and Furious would be one of those. Yeah. But this exactly. one has grounds to take itself seriously. It does, yeah. It's a good pick. Uh, mine is kind of James Bond. It's Daniel Craig. Okay. I, I really like his take on the character as far as James Bond movies I've seen. I'm a big I'm a big Daniel Craig, James Bond guy. What do you like that he did that maybe some of the other Bond guys didn't? It, it goes back to that whole he's got this chip on his shoulder because the other guys, it almost seems like you watch them and you're like, they're very wealthy, you know? Like, they were kids that took fencing back in yeah. middle school and stuff. Daniel Craig's Bond... Uh, Vesper like pretty much calls him out on his whole life somehow. She's like, well, looks like you probably went to a good school, but I would assume not under your own money, but someone else's charity, and that's why you have the chip on your shoulder. So I just like the, this grittier, more, I don't know if relatable is the right word necessarily. Like, like the average person could, could get to the point he's yeah. at. You don't have to be born into extreme wealth to get mi6 there. i'm right here man yeah i can run 0.8 miles without stopping probably yeah I, that's all it takes <laughs> that's all it takes any criticisms mac can i start with you or do you want me to start with drew watsky um i'll piggyback off y'all uh, sure. yeah drew because you do have some criticism sure i do i think uh, i think it's a little long what i consider the climax of the movies the end of the poker game yeah still Almost forty-five minutes of movie after that. It's it's all an epilogue. Yeah, pretty much. It's a long epilogue, and there's some good the torture scenes in there, which in the and that whole chase sequence leading up to that, it's actually pretty good. I was kind of like, wow, it's still going, <laughs> and and I think they. I mean, you needed I, to see the Vesper betrayal. The betrayal at the end is where you're going. I think, and I I think they were like, but we have to get there, and you it almost took them a little bit to get there. You almost could have incorporated it more in. During the poker stuff. I agree. So it, it ends up... I mean, it's, it's about two and a half hours. I think it could have been maybe like 2.10, 2.15 and, and been about perfect. And and there's a few things that are... Again, for someone who's not really a Bond guy, there's some things that are outside of my level of believability. But it sounds like when compared to other Bond movies, it's actually pretty realistic. Yeah. So I'm going to say for me, I was like, nah, that wouldn't happen. But... In context, maybe it's not so bad. I mean, the guy he's chasing in Madagascar is not human. I mean, that no, guy is the guy we're doing. He, he like jumps <laughs> off that um, level and just like his feet hit this level, and he immediately is on the. I was like, what? <laughs> That's he, he, from he's the able to Nintendo like climb up a metal yeah. beam. <laughs> he, he pulls a Mario, yeah, um, sliding down the wall. Boy, that would be a fun in a Bond movie if he's if Mario is the villain chasing through a. Construction like, like the Mario, Mario from Self-Reliance? Yes. Actually, you know what? That guy. <laughs> that would have been good. Obviously, you, you're talking about ego. It's a battle of egos yeah. at the poker t- yeah. table. I think a third player that's like also a villain, right, mm-hmm. would have been an interesting aspect to throw into this movie. Because every other player, I mean, even the even the CIA guy. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. We oh, forgot. Yeah. Add him to the John Bernthal, Paul Giamatti list of yeah, every time he's in a Jeffrey movie. Wright. Love Jeffrey Wright. I'm mean, even. He was like, "Hey, by the way, I suck at this game, so I'm going to buy you back in instead." <laughs> <laughs> every other player besides the Chief and James Bond is pretty one dimensional. I mean, yeah. they barely even talk. Uh, the other players. It could have just. Been I think the it could have been. Them, I think really. it would have been interesting if there were more, a little bit more. Oh, but what if this guy wins yeah. and his stuff? Like, yeah. um, that, that's my criticism. What about you, yeah. Mike? 
like I said, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a big movie guy. Okay. So when I watch a movie, I just kind of, I just kind of watch. You're it. not an artist. Yeah, you have no reason to criticize. Right, but you exactly. do anyway. See, I threw, I, I threw it in here. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> I would consider myself an artist, Heath. So don't you put labels <laughs> on me. Um, no, yeah, I'm not a big film cinema guy. Um, art involvement in any way like that. So I, w- I wouldn't really have any any criticisms. I would kind of push back on your criticism though, and just say, as someone who doesn't really play poker i'm not really into into poker like i played it some you know but it's i have to learn the rules every time again um and so with I have that, to pull up a chart on your phone yeah, just yeah. to make exactly i would say the the kind of cutting like the, during the breaks when they have a fight scene or whatever that adds the intensity to it than just focusing longer on the poker um it was more interesting i think for an average dude like myself. You That's know? fair. Yeah. Well, and I'll go ahead and just get into my favorite scene because it's one of those between. Oh, yeah. Um, it's when he gets poisoned. Yeah. And he's got to go into the bathroom. He's, he's trying to, like, make himself throw up so the poison won't work. It's a real coolie. It's a, I really like how this coolie. That's not a word. <laughs> I really like how this it's it shot. It's real jarring. Like, the exposure on the light is real high. Like, it's like you're in James Bond's eyes, like, just stressing out, trying not to die from this poison. Gets into his car, has to get to the defibrillator because his heart's about to stop, isn't able to actually make it work. So Vesper comes in, she saves the day, and the best part about it is Lashif is like, oh, I just killed that guy, thank goodness, now I'm going to win this poker tournament. He literally, you see Lashif, and then you see James Bond sit down, and Lashif, Mads Mikkelsen's face, just the way it changes when he looks at him, he's like, oh. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> Great scene. That's my favorite. Drew, what's your favorite? That's scene? a really good scene. I, I I would just I just like the poker scenes, kind yeah. of what I mentioned. But I do I really like that scene when he's in his car and all of the agents are in his ear telling like walking him through. They're like, <laughs> okay, you gotta get it to charge. You need to hit the button, and he's like, come on, guys. He's like, I I can barely move right yeah. now. <laughs> Uh, what about you, uh, Mac? Yeah, no, I would I would just add to that, and specifically how he keeps his cool during it, and that's yeah. that's James Bond, I think, you know. Like, and then, well, right after they're like, "Hey, you need to go to hospital," he's like, "I'm good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then like comes back and he says, "That last hand almost killed me," you know. And so it's just he's addressing it, but he's cool about it. So that's the um, thing about this Daniel Craig Bond. Like, he's not the most suave guy, but he's pretty like witty, pretty yeah. sharp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when he's when he's um, talking to that lady who's married to the the guy who's a part of Lashif's plan to blow up the plane mm-hmm. at first and he's talking to her in his hotel room and she finally tells him where her husband's going and so he's like oh well we need to get champagne and stuff so she like goes in the back and he's calling in and the guy's like champagne and caviar for two he goes for one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah really good movie and so um, big fan of it Big fan of James Bond. You know who else is a big fan of James Bond? Who? Christopher Nolan. (laughs) Transition. See what I did there. Christopher Nolan, director of many films. Drew, you're a big Christopher Nolan guy, right? Big Nolan guy, yeah. What about you? Just growing, continuing, upward trend. I watched watched Oppenheimer again last night for the first time in months. Masterpiece. Was it better the second time? Well, it was on a TV and not a theater, so the, the experience was not as good. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's it's going to win Picture of the Year for a reason. Yeah. Are you a Christopher Nolan guy? Let me tell you what I'm doing right now. I'm Are you looking, looking up Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies? Um, I've seen, I know Inception. Yeah. I've seen Inception. I really That's like that. a good that. one. Um, I've not seen Dunkirk. Me I either. want to see Dunkirk. Um, I've seen Tenet. 
And I think there's a third one that I've... You see Interstellar? I stopped looking this up as we addressed it. What's his other big one? Uh, I've not seen any, Yeah, I've not seen any of the Batman movies. Any of the, really? the Dark Knights. Yeah. What about uh, what about the Prestige? That's a deep cut, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like. No. Man, okay, so one. I guess I've only seen Tenet, and I've only seen uh, Inception. Inception. Well, let me tell you this. I've seen parts of some of the Dark Knights, but not like all the way through. Here's yeah. the good news. We're going to be talking about Tenet today. Okay. He's God. This is why we're here. 45 minutes into this podcast, this is why we're here to talk about Christopher Nolan's 2020 masterpiece, Tenet, with Max Stevens. Uh, just let me just say this. I This movie rocks. Okay? This movie rocks. Um, my relationship to this movie... So it came out in 2020. It was the first big theater movie back after COVID. Like the theaters mm. reopened, and this was the one they started with. And in hindsight, probably shouldn't have been the first movie for to get people back into theaters. Yeah. Uh, it's not a easy watch as far no. as no, you have to pay attention. And it's not. I would say it's not the average moviegoer's cup of tea. That would just be my guess. I agree. But so <laughs> it was. It was in theaters. Me and my sister, we bought tickets for it. We got there. Giant IMAX theater. The IMAX in Fayetteville has, what, probably 200-plus seats in there? It was me, my sister, and one other guy in that entire theater. That's crazy. And, yeah, I, I, I thought that movie rocked. It made, it was like a 200-and-something million-dollar budget, which is the most for any movie he's ever done. Wow. But it made about $356 million. So still, even a, a Christopher Nolan flop still makes, makes money. And that's what that's what Christopher Nolan's all about. And I mean, it's a it was probably a flop, largely because it came out during COVID. Right. I mean, it didn't come out after COVID. It came out during. during COVID. I mean, I think we wore masks. It was like some yeah, and like you could you couldn't buy a seat next to someone. Right. Like because of social distancing, it was a crazy time. And so they brought it back to theaters, Drew. Yeah. And but not we were, to us. <laughs> man, we were so excited. We were like, oh, we're going to go Friday night to the IMAX in Fayetteville. We're going to watch this thing, and then we're going to get to talk about it. It's going to be so awesome. And then I checked the movie times, and Drew was like, yeah, the closest one's in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> we said, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but regardless of that, what's the what's your relationship to this, Drew? So I saw it, um, it was probably August uh, was when I saw it, because I had just gotten back to Fayetteville. For the next school year, uh-huh. that was what our junior year, I guess. Yeah, I went with like a, a big group of crew guys, and uh, I think I told you this story when we were talking about it last week. But I missed the first ten minutes of this movie the first time I saw it. Very important. <laughs> and watched the rest of the movie, and I got out of the movie, and I was like, you know, it was it was good, but I feel like I missed something important in those first ten minutes because I'm lost. So I was like, I'm going to go see it again. So I went and saw it again, was was on time, saw the first 10 minutes, watched the rest of the movie, and I was like, man, that was good. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm still really lost. But it was a good movie. And that's, I think that's a key thing we're going to talk about is that um, this movie does not necessarily make perfect sense. But it doesn't have to for it to be a good movie. doesn't have to. Mac, tell me about Tenet. About halfway through the movie... When I was thinking about the movie Tenet, it blew my mind that Tenet was a palindrome <laughs> slash temporal pincer, if you will. So that was insane. <laughs> um, I watched it with some buddies. Uh, I, I was one of those buddies. And Heath was one of them, yeah. Thomas Ginnay was the other one. Right. Was it just us? I think the three. Maybe Matt Sparks was oh, there, Alex Shepard. Alex Shepard, that's, that's right. right. We've got um, two Thomas Ginnay references already. Wow. This two? guy... 
about to make it three. It better be a third. Um, anyways, yeah, so I watched it um, with you and then. Uh, <laughs> the y'all? Is that, is that how you say it? Yeah, but it was a, it was a group watch movie. Uh, and going into it, it was one of those things. I, w- I just heard about it. And people said, you need to watch it. And even people that we didn't watch it with had mentioned it, like, you need to watch it. And so I went in and I was like, I need to watch this movie. And that's how I like to watch movies. Is like going in, I got to see this movie. And I saw the movie. And I loved it. Because yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, don't think about it. Just feel it. Yeah. That's the, that's the main theme here. Let, let me give you what Google says about this movie. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. A secret agent is given a single word as his weapon and sent to prevent the onset of World War III. He must travel through time and bend the laws of nature in order to be successful in his mission. Sure, that's a good couple sentence about it. That's not... That, that, I mean, that doesn't begin to describe what's going a lot. on. <laughs> so, the secret agent in question is the protagonist, which is one of the sickest things in any movie ever. doesn't have a name. We don't know anything about this guy besides literally that he's a part of the CIA. I, th- I, I think... <laughs> yeah. So the protagonist, played by John David Washington, the first ten minutes we just see we're, we're at this opera house or whatever, this concert's about to start, and then these guys come in with guns, and then John David Washington and this other group. I don't know if they're part of the same group or if they're part of a different group. I don't know what's going on here. Man. But he just extracts a guy, ends up getting captured by these Russian dudes, gets tortured, takes a cyanide pill that turns out to be fake, and that's the test to get into this group. That now does Tenet things. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The great news about Tenet is we're going to try our best to spoil this movie, and we're still not going to be able to, because the the hidden meaning is buried in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I know there's an algorithm. Yep. And somehow Kenneth Branagh's, who plays Sater, yeah. Sater's heartbeat is connected to the algorithm somehow. <laughs> If Seder dies, the whole world dies, because he's like the convergence of the forward-moving time and the backwards-moving time. See, even as I'm talking about this, I feel like I'm... I, I, Maybe it's been I, too long, <laughs> but I don't remember this. I watched this movie when on you, Friday. Okay. I rented it Friday morning for 27 cents. cents. 24 cents. What a bargain. 24 cents on Amazon Prime. I said, yeah, i got to watch this movie <laughs> time. You got Elizabeth, Elizabeth Debicki in there. She's 6'3". Yep. Wow. John David Washington's only 5'9". Right. He yep. ordered his hot sauce an hour ago, guys. <laughs> oh, man. It's all coming back. God, I love this movie. I've heard someone God, this call him so Denzel Washington. That, and that's, that makes perfect sense. That. Denzel, <laughs> Denzel Washington. If I, was, if I was the son of Denzel Washington and I was an actor, would mm-hmm. I just want to be known as Denzel's son or do I want to be my own guy? I think you'd probably, I think you'd want to be your own guy. Me specifically? Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. You don't want to be... But here's the thing. What's I, your dad's name? <laughs> I don't want to be Kevin Anderson. Yeah. It doesn't work as well. Anderson. Kevin Anderson. Oh, it does work. Yeah. And Anderson. Anderson. I like John David Washington. I liked him in I this. Did, yeah. I like him in a movie that wasn't that good, but I thought he was good in uh, called Amsterdam. I liked him in The Creator. And did I liked him in see... Black Klansman. Okay, yeah. I I didn't see Black Klansman, but I heard really good things about hey, him in that one. He was really good. Him and Adam Driver. Good chemistry in that mm-hmm. movie. But yeah. I, I, let's let's just do this exercise. I want each of you to spend 15 seconds to try to explain what happens in the movie Tenet. Can yeah, you do it? Pull up my stopwatch. Pull out your stopwatch here. I'll. That's you know what? I'll just time you. I got I got you the got stopwatch it. here. I want you guys to try to explain. 15 seconds. Mm. Eh, do 20. Okay. Are you ready? All right. 
go. Mac. Me first. Yes. <laughs> you already wasted three seconds. Okay, um, there's a word that he gets, and he tries to stop World War Three. That's what you read off Google. Um, in my own words, um, what's happened's happened. What is it? It's already happened. It's already happened. What's happened happened. Okay, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Man, that's a quote and from you the got a second and a half back. Drew. Bonus points. Drew. Hold on. Drew. <laughs> so, there's... In... <laughs> there are some people who are moving backwards in time. Entropy. And some people are moving forwards in time. Yes. And because of that, there's some sort of warlike things going on, um, which, you know, good for the audience. It makes for some cool car chases. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try real quick. Okay, so John David Washington is a part of this tenant organization that is trying to stop world war three it's all these people around the world that are a part of this there's these machines that make people go forward in time or excuse me backward in time while everybody else goes forward and somehow they have to stop the convergence of the two along with robert pattinson to stop the world from ending 20 seconds there we go that's good and pretty much i think that's as good as it's gonna be i think i think think, think that's about it but how does how is this thing kind of like a bond movie right he's a part of a secret organization. Mm-hmm. He's a spy. Mm-hmm. He has this initiation. You were talking about like the initiation of Bond at the beginning of Casino right. Royale is yeah. kind of like an inverse almost. Or you could even say the entropy is opposite. Right. <laughs> so specifically with Casino Royale, right, James Bond, you start off um, and he has just acquired, you see him acquiring his double O status. And so now it's kind of like the next step of his career. Um, and this is kind of his first big mission, I suppose, after that. With Tenet, he goes through his mission. He takes the suicide pill because he's not, you know, given up. Turns out it's a fake, and this happens 10 minutes in the movie. Um, that's the test. And so that's kind of like his his baptism, you know, early on, if you will, right? And so he now is taking the next step in his organization. Like, he, he doesn't exist anymore, right? So it's super, super secret. And so in that same way, it just elevates the playing field. Um, for each of those characters, dude, I, I love that um, that guy that tells him about his new job. Now, he's like, we all want to think that we can go into the burning building, but none of us are ever ever brave enough to actually do it. You were though, and I'm like, people just talk like this in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Nobody talks. Nobody talks normally. Like even <laughs> so, immediately after that, he gets picked up in this um, giant windmill in the middle of the ocean, and we're off, right? Goes to this lady scientist who knows all about this stuff, mm. but she doesn't really explain it that well. She even mm. says, "Don't even try. Don't try to think about it. Just feel it." Yeah. As he's learning how to shoot bullets backwards, pretty right. much, and he's always asking her about like, well, "What about free will and all this stuff?" <laughs> and she's like, "Just shut up. Just yeah. go with the flow here." She was in Harry Potter. She doesn't care. She was yeah. in Harry Potter. She was that French girl, right, yeah. in Goblet of Fire. Yep. Great oh, reference. I forgot about her. Fleur de, de Clure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just read that book. <laughs> yeah, something like that. He gets he gets connected with Robert Pattinson, who who was also in Harry Potter. Who was also in Harry Potter, <laughs> Goblet of Fire. Yeah. So so maybe this is actually preceding Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Who ends up? Spoiler alert! Ends up already being part of the organization which John David Washington recruited him of years not earlier, years later, people. Yep. He's from the future. And somehow Elizabeth Becky, who's 6'3", I've said it before, I'll say it again, because I just think that's crazy. Every yeah. scene, she's taller than everybody else yeah. in this mm-hmm. movie. 
she is like the Bond girl in this, and she's the in- introduction to Sater. She's her husband. She's her wait. <laughs> she's his husband. She's He's his her wife. Her husband. She's his wife. He's there her you husband. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You got it. She, but she hates him. She hates Sater. She's trying to kill him the whole time. And credit to Kenneth Branagh, because he's Russian in this movie. Yeah. I think he does a great job with his Russian accent. He does a great job with his Russian accent. I've also seen him as... Then he plays um, Niels Bohr in Oppenheimer, and he's got a German accent. German accent. He's... What's his name? Um, The... He's... What's... He's the... Yeah. The Agatha Christie. Hercule Poirot. Poirot. He's French. Yeah. On that train movie? Yeah. Yeah. That's him. No way. <laughs> this guy is a master of accents. Kenneth Branagh has been around believable. for years. He's in like everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's in uh, Harry Potter. He's, he's, in, he's, he's in Harry Potter. <laughs> it's crazy, man. This guy's in it. He also directed uh, Thor and Thor the Dark World. Yeah. Wow. One of those was pretty good. Which one? First one? The first one. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I agree with you there. Listen, we say all these things. And really, the moral of the story is, and Christopher Nolan has said this too: you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to understand all of this movie. No. So here's a question for you guys: Should movies make sense? Like when you watch Tenet, it doesn't like as far as a movie being made, it makes sense. Like there is a plot, there are actors mm-hmm. that are doing. Like it's not logically. What am I trying to say? It's not artistically illogical, but the the schematics and the the physics of the movie don't necessarily make sense. But does that matter? That's my question to you guys. I mean, it's probably, you know, based on someone's personal opinion. I think most of the time that matters to me. Like, if I walk out of a movie not really getting the point, I'm disappointed. But I think Nolan is one of the few guys that can make a movie that just looks and has such a unique feel that, like, I went on this ride... And I don't even really know what happened. But that's the I had magic a good of time. That's the magic of Tenet right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's what they need to put on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Should this movie make more I, sense, Mac? I think about it like if you have some sort of otherworldly thing, like whether it be like magic or entropy flowing backwards or whatever. There's a certain rule, you know, because it can't just be a cure-all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good, though, because we don't get that. We don't get a cure-all in this. It's really just like there's a world out there that these people are living in. They they really can't bend it to their own way to make it, like, whatever. Um, and so everyone's living kind of in within these confines of it. As far as it making sense, I thought about it like a Beatles song. Um, so a lot of Beatles music doesn't really make sense lyric-wise, but it sounds cool. You know, it just sounds good. Um, I'm a big Beatles fan um, and Paul McCartney. Um, even, like, The Wings, like, he'll have two songs within, you know, three minutes. And it's just a minute song and a minute song, and then they don't really connect, mm-hmm. um, and they don't make sense. An example of that would be Admiral Halsey or something like that. There's something. It's a crazy song. Monkberry Moon Delight. Me saying those words, you don't know what that means, but it's about a Monkberry Moon Delight, you know? Heck yeah. Uh, anyways, I really like the song. It sounds good, and it sounds cool, but it doesn't really make sense. And so I think in the same way, if you can do it right, you know, it looks cool, it sounds cool, but it doesn't make sense. And I love that. Ten- yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Tenet is Max Monkberry Moon Delight. It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> Just along for the ride. And really, I mean, we were talking about it earlier, I think that is the purpose of this movie. It's Because Nolan, in Inception, Interstellar, people are like, oh, well, these are 
these movies are they don't make sense, right? But when you first off, when you watch those movies compared to this one, they make perfect sense. Way more sense. But I think in a lot of ways, Tenet is his response to those criticisms of well, it doesn't necessarily have to make logical sense. Like this, this is all movies. Like, you have to suspend your disbelief anyway. Yeah. So I'm just gonna take it up to eleven here with Tenet. The Tenet Hive, like us, we're like it rocks. Buzz, buzz. Um, <laughs> I'm in the hive, baby. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> buzz, 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 baby. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate just for a second. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think this is actually, if I if I can go out of order, I think this is your criticism. Sure. So I, I feel like you might jump on board here. Is there an argument to be said that when Nolan was making this movie, he made it so confusing that as kind of a a safety net, you can't actually hear any of the dialogue in this movie yes. so that you're not trying to pick it apart. Yes, that is that is a criticism that I have, is that I can barely understand a word that anybody like says if, in this Like, movie. if we were having this podcast I love how we're talking about this a movie. giant wind tunnel, yeah. it wouldn't be a good podcast. No, it wouldn't. Um, I just love how we're talking about this movie, and it sounds like it should be a bad movie, yeah. but it's not. Uh-uh. You gotta see it. <laughs> you gotta see it. Because, like, literally, the, the music will be blaring, and these people are just talking about entropy or whatever of things that move backwards now. Yeah. And, like, you're like, I, I, I gotta rewind that. I gotta play with subtitles. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. You're just here. And yeah. even, in the, even in the final 20 minutes when they're in that big battle trying to stop the algorithm from exploding or whatever... You can you can't understand a word anybody's it's saying. Just chaos. You don't even know the plan, Mm-mm. but you're like, all right, I'm here for it. You know? Yeah, fascinating stuff. I, one quick thing about Nolan that I really like in, in all of his movies, he's got a great eye for casting. Like not just actors that are good, but like actors that. And I don't mean like I'm attracted to these people when I, when I watch them. St- bear with me, people. But he he picks actors that like look good on screen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, even, like, Michael Caine in this movie in his two minutes. He was in there. Yeah, he was in wow. there. <laughs> like, even even Michael Caine's two minutes, you're like, the man looks good on this screen. You know, like, he, he's meant to be here in this shot. Am I making sense right now? I mean, it sounds like Heath's man-crushing on Michael Caine, which I'm here for. <laughs> Worst things to be man-crushing. Yeah. <laughs> Worst Worst people. You're looking at me. I, I just opened my <laughs> mouth in agreement. You did. Yeah. I was. My mouth was. My jaw dropped. Um, in agreement. I would. I would say. Um, yeah, because sometimes you look at a at a, at a at a movie. I could. I could say one, but I won't because it'd be rude. But you look at it and you say. Mm, there's better people, you know, for this movie, you oh, know, because yeah. in this movie like this. or in a different one. Say, no, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. I'm really interested. I'm not gonna say a word. No, but it's. Were you gonna say licorice pizza? Yeah, I'm not gonna say a word about it. <laughs> oh my! Get out of here. Licorice pizza is great. No, but there's something like when it's. I don't even know if I can put into words what I'm trying to say right now. So I'm gonna. What I'm I don't gonna know do, if I made sense. Hey, what I'm gonna do? We're not supposed to be making no, sense. No, you right made now. sense. Here's what I'll do. I'll stop right here, and I'll start backpedaling. Yeah. Do you hear that? That's me backpedaling right now. That's you going into the turnstile machine, and now your entropy is backwards. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy scene where Kenneth Branagh... I'm doing the actor's name again. Where Sater is backwards, and go. he has to talk to the protagonist, mm-hmm. and they have to use that like translator machine. That's... 
I'm telling you, trippy. it's just high level stuff in this movie that I don't think anybody, any other director, could have even thought about. Putting Absolutely in this movie. not. Can you imagine getting this script and then being like, "All right, you have to direct this." Yeah. Anyone else, it would be it would be the worst movie ever made. Yeah, <laughs> it would be so bad. Like, can you imagine? Like, uh, well, I don't even think. I don't even think like Denis Villeneuve could do this. He could not. No, but he'd have a better chance than most. Fincher, maybe. Yeah, maybe Fincher. But could, could you imagine like um, the what are the the Russo brothers? Tenant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That'd be that'd be brutal. I'll, I'll, say, like I'll say this though. Yeah. With licorice pizza. <laughs> They're meant to be there, though. You know, like yeah, they're it's meant just to be a there. dude. That's a thing and too. Go, How like, did you know just, he was talking about licorice? Because we watched him around the same. Okay, time. yeah, we did. And he was like, the people in this movie, they don't look good. <laughs> but but you watch and you're like, I hey, speaking of hives, I'm part of the Alana Haim hive. I'll just say it. How about Should this? Alana How about this? Alana Haim. I it it fit though. They fit in that movie. Yeah, and I think it's just it's just kind of like that. Like you. Just kind of the way the movie is, he, you need you need certain got people. Eyes. To, yeah. No one has eyes for people that are going to fit in this movie. Right. And, and it's like, not even for like, this, John David Washington, perfect. Robert Pattinson, perfect. Elizabeth Debicki, perfect. Kenneth Branagh, perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's not even like acting-wise, in a way. No, it's just like... You know, it's just like... The visual... The composition of, of something them. bigger, and they're the blocks that make it up. <laughs> You're is exactly what it is. right. Yeah. And I think he really, he really comes to fruition... <laughs> I think he just looked up Alana Heim over there. <laughs> his face. He's been good at this the whole time. But then when you watch Oppenheimer, and this is not an Oppenheimer pod. No, but like, but this that's is also where, on the list. This is where he is at his best with this concept of putting people on screen that you want to look at compositionally. Again, I'm not in saying... Tenet? No, yeah, just or keep, in going, Oppen- in Oppenheimer. keep going with oh, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, Killian Murphy, so hot. That's not what I'm saying right now. What right. I'm saying is, like, the people he puts in his movies... Like they're the way they look fits with the stories he's trying to tell. Yeah, Killian okay. Murphy's eyes are yeah. crazy. <laughs> I get that. I'm there. I'm there for that. And it makes the movie better. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, I agree. So, fellas, this movie rocks. Let's go ahead and get into our MVPs here. Yeah. Can I start with mine? You Please. Because it kind of goes into this idea of like composition on screen. It's Hoyt Van Hoytema. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> It's Hoyt Van Hoytema, Mac, who is the cinematographer that has worked with Nolan oh. since Interstellar. And you can really see the stylistic differences in how his movies look from Interstellar on. And I, I think that's because of Hoyt Van Hoytema. <laughs> his movies, I don't know how he does it, but I mean, he does use like IMAX cameras, so it's, it's crisper. Yeah. But his movies just look cleaner and crisper than most other movies I see. And I think a lot of it has to do with the lighting, too. Like the mm-hmm. lighting is it's it's sharp, but it's also warm at the same time. So everything looks like smoothed out almost, but not in a bad way. I just I think Nolan makes visually probably the most the best looking movies to look at, and I think that's because of Hoyt Van Hoytema. Uh, yeah, that's a bold like, claim. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but I think uh, I think Greg Fraser, that's who's a good one. The Dune cinematographer is probably. That's a really good one too. I mean, you got him. You got Robert, Roger Deakins. You yeah, got Rod, Rodrigo Piero, I believe is his name, who did um, a bunch of Scorsese movies recently. Mm-hmm. You, it's you amazing a, what you can do with a camera nowadays. Oh yeah, I, I mean, mean, there's a lot of different cinematographers, and they all have a little bit different styles. I think it just co- goes to the point that I think I like Hoyt Van Hoytema's mm. style the best. Yeah. Hey, we all have our preferences. Although I will say, Hoytema guy. 
and I'm going to bring in Paul Thomas Anderson. You know how I feel about Paul Thomas Anderson. Hey, we reference he's, him every episode. He's done some um, some of his own uh, cinematography. Phantom Thread, maybe the best looking movie I've ever seen in my life. Did he do There Will Be Blood on his own? No, he had um, he had somebody else in there. Can I remember who it is off the top of my head? Who's y'all's MVPs? Oh, I was just going to say real quick, y'all are playing the Australian Open, and I'm at Chicken and Pickle or whatever. <laughs> what? Pickleball, pickleball restaurant. That's how I feel right now. Oh, I was talking about cinematography. Yeah, y'all are playing tennis, and I'm playing pickleball over here is what's going on. Well, here's the thing, Mac. Movies are a visual medium, so I think cinematographer is a very important no, that's right. That. That's it, right. And I'm glad movie. I'm glad you can talk about it. It's probably a good thing you're <laughs> here though cuz no, it if, is a good thing you're here. If there's any listener who's like, "Oh my <laughs> god, they're doing the cinematography thing again." <laughs> that's why you're here. We've done it. We've done it before. <laughs> I've talked about we've talked about cinematography before. Go ahead and give us your MVP. My MVP um Robert Pattinson. And here's why. Just cuz I haven't I say I think it was this. I was excited for the Batman to come out whenever I watched this movie. And so this was like my my precursor to the Batman, you know, with him. So it's nothing like, oh man, this guy was the most valuable, you know, player in this movie. It really was just, I was excited to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, he's a great actor. Yeah, because really, the only thing I'd seen him in is um, Twilight and, and Harry yep, Potter. Harry Potter. And so it was it was neat to see him in something where he wasn't, I guess a teenager or a teenage heartthrob. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is a completely different yeah. guy yeah. compared to those movies. His, You're a big good, good Time guy, right? Oh, I was about to bring up Good Time. Yeah, I figured. Well, his roles since Twilight have been really smart and not blo- not blockbusters. No. He did Good Time with the Safdie brothers. He did Tenet, which I guess is like his, his biggest blockbuster. Well, I, I take that back. He did the Batman. What am I? What am I saying right now? But they're not. They're not like uh, it's artistic choices that he's making, if that makes sense. And uh, the Lighthouse was another Lighthouse, one. obviously. Um, he did this movie called Damsel. It's like a western, and um, he was a bad guy in there. So like he's just he's taking interesting roles, that kind of thing. Robert Shout Pattinson. out to Damsel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I zoned out. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. We don't blame you. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for the Good Time episode. Big Good Time guy. Hey, shout out Rip to Buddy Duress, by the way. True. What's you your... want to explain who that is? Buddy Duress was in Good Time, and he passed away, I believe, yesterday. Oh, man. He had a he has a great scene in in Good Time. He's like, bro, I get this money. That's his whole thing. Uh, what's your what, what's your MVP? My MVP is uh, the great Ludwig Göransson. Is um, that how you say his name? I don't know. I think so, but not for sure. Boy, a, it, the way that his name is spelled makes me think that it's a a Scandinavian name. And then I, so I think the W would be a, a v sound. Ludwig, Ludwig, mm, like Beethoven. But th- this was, he did Black Panther was I think his first like big musical score. But then he did the Mandalorian too, I think. And Mandalorian, and this one was like the first one where I was like, wow, this guy is like legit. Oh yeah. Um, especially because Hans Zimmer was like Nolan's guy for so long, and then so it was kind of surprising that it wasn't. Well, I, I, I think the only reason that Zimmer didn't do Tenet was because uh, Zimmer did Dune instead. Oh, so, gotcha. But I think, I'm with you, it's kind of a blessing in disguise, because he's found, I think Nolan's found his new guy, mm-hmm. and it's kind of revitalized his scores a little bit. Like, yeah. the, I mean, the Tenet score, incredible. Incredible. And the Oppenheimer score Oppenheimer. is one of the best it, scores even I've better. ever heard. Yeah. But the Tenet score... It's really cool. Like it, it sounds chaotic. I've never heard music sound like that in a movie. It sounds like you know those like 
noisemakers that people have at like yeah. football games where you like hit them together and they're like dum, 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 dum. it's like oh, if yeah. you took one of those and hit it on like a metal pipe that those are like the sound effects right. going on in this movie i mean i would i would recommend anybody that's listening to this go listen to the tenet soundtrack as soon as you can because it's 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 incredible this is another story i had from this movie was after i watched it i was like i love this score i'm gonna listen to it and it was covid so we all had masks on and so I would walk around campus with my mask on, listening to Tenet. And I was like, <laughs> I, it sounds like I'm in a, like I'm about to go. You're about to go someone. stop the algorithm, bro, <laughs> is what you're going to do. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I think Hoyt Van Hoytema and Ludwig Gordonson, the addition of those two guys to like the Nolan team has just elevated his movies. Yeah. No yeah. disrespect. Uh, Hans Zimmer's incredible. Maybe the best ever. Wally Pfister. Fister, I, no, I can't say that one. <laughs> Fister, Wally, I hardly know. know her. <laughs> He's good too, but I, I, I like the eye that Van Hoyten. I won't say his whole name. His eye. Talking about Hoyten. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we've already talked about criticisms a little bit. Sound mixing could be a little bit better. Could make yeah. a little bit more sense. So, Mac, I just want to hear yours if you have any a criticism, any specific criticism. No, I don't. Dude, I don't think I have one. That rocks. Yeah, because here's <laughs> here's why I say that, though. I was trying to explain the movie, because I, I was telling my mom and dad about it. I was trying to explain the movie, and I said, I think it's better just to show a clip. And so I, I, showed, I showed the clip where it's the first fight with the turnstiles um, in the airport. So I, I guess the forward version mm-hmm. of it, you know? And I, I put it up on the screen, and I started playing it, and my mom goes, oh, I think we've seen this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we've seen this before. And my mom just said, I really liked this movie. It really made me think. I was trying to keep up with it. It really made me think. It's like, if my mom likes this movie and my dad likes this movie, like, what is there not to like about it, you know? Susan Stevens, Tenet Hive member. Exactly. Yeah. Buzz, buzz for her. All right, favorite scene, and then we'll say which movie we like better, and we'll get out of here. My, oh, Trucks yeah. in Place, easily. And it has a lot to do with the Ludwig Gordonson score. Mm-hmm. Because, again, why are they trying to get this fire truck? I don't even know. But he ends up on a fire truck, and the music, it just goes, and it's it's, it's cool. But, again, I can't explain it that well. I just know it rocks. Yeah. John David Washington, and then there's a cool car chase, and then we end up on the other side of the turnstile where the car chase is in reverse, and it just hurts my brain, but but it rocks. Yeah, I would say... Anytime they're fighting is probably my favorite scene, just because yeah. it's it's mind bending, <laughs> it, it and that's hurts. what I'm there for. It hurts I your think. brain to think about it. Yeah, once you kind of once you kind of get like what the movie's about, not in the sense of like what it's about, but like you just kind of right, yeah, like you know, objectively, you're like, oh, that's happening. I enjoyed that. I, I just wanted my brain new in for the ride, bro. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I was strapped in, locked in. No, you're absolutely right. Like you. At a certain point in the movie, you're like, well, I'm here to watch these kind of scenes. Like, that's the whole point. And because this is unlike any other action you're going to see. Like, when else are you going to see action taking place in reverse? But, yeah, like, he but fights himself. Right, yeah. <laughs> he fights himself, and apparently behind the scenes, they had a guy fighting reverse style with John David Washington while he was going forward. I don't even know how you yeah. figure out how to do that. That's mm. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> the stunts that this movie pulls off are on another level. Yeah. 
It's incredible. So I don't have a specific favorite scene, but just the... the you could just write the, it in vibes, The okay? stunt work that Nolan <laughs> yeah. pulled off. Like, at the end, when they're going through that, like, kind of, like, desolate kind of town thing, and buildings are getting blown up in reverse to where it's like they're coming back together. <laughs> yeah. It was like one... They shot a rocket launcher at the same time, one on the top, one on the bottom, and somehow it came back. I don't, I don't get it, man. If you mentioned this, it's a like the vibes of it. Like you have to describe it in, in the way it feels. Yeah. And I think that's the same way with like, in a way, noir. So like noir stuff, it's not necessarily big, big drive guy. By the way, I like drive. I like the Batman. Um, I just like black and white noir movies because you kind of know what you're gonna get um, in the black and white ones. Uh, no one's good. Uh, everything is just kind of grungy. It's whatever, but it's just the feel of it. And so the same with like the Batman, the same with the drive, you know, or not the drive, but the same with the drive. There's not some like earth shattering plot or anything like that, but I'm there. I'm with them, (laughs) you know? And so I think that's it. It's just the way, even though it makes you, you think you also just feel yeah, the movie like the sound like, like the, the lady scientists from the beginning of the movie. Over there. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Tenet you don't try to understand be a it. Good book. I, I almost I was thinking about that. I was like, is there a novelization that if I read it, would it make more sense? Probably I, not. I don't. Even if it did, I don't think it'd be as entertaining. It wouldn't be fun. No. You're right about that. All right. So, what film are we taking? Uh, Mac, you're the guest. We'll start okay. with you. Are you taking the preceding film or the newer film? Um, which is which? The preceding is James uh, Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna say Tenet just because it's so different than anything that I've I've seen before. I like it. Good answer, Drew. Um, I'm gonna go with Tenet as well. I I think I have more fun with it. Um, Casino Royale is a, it's a good time, but um, Tenet's kind of unlike anything else I've ever seen. Now, for me, there may be a day mm-hmm. when Tenet outlasts Casino Royale and becomes my favorite, but it is not this day. Casino Royale. It's probably my favorite action movie of the 21st century. Just saying. It's up there. It's like that, John Wick 4, uh, Triple Frontier. (laughs) Do you have a favorite uh, action movie of the 20th century? Of the 20th century? Dude, I always I'm a big The Fugitive fan. You ever seen The Fugitive? Uh, No, I haven't seen it. Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah, dude. Fugitive rocks. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Casino Royale. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, but here's the thing. Love both these movies. Yeah. They both rock. They're both very good. So, uh, hey, thanks for being on, guys. N- next week, uh, Drew, it's dealer's choice for you. So oh. we'll see We'll see what Was we're going to be watching. Casino Royale pun? Hey, now. Hey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Mac, thanks for being on. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. We've got to have you on another time. Uh, oh. we'll, we'll have you on about... for the drive episode. Don't okay. you worry. And how we compare it to a goofy movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. same movie. Yeah, well, There's what are they cars. doing? There's car, they're driving cross country um, on the open road. Um, yeah, <laughs> you just let me know, and I'll be back on. Maybe <laughs> we'll do. Okay. Maybe. All right, everybody. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens.